Welcome to Write Medicine, where we explore best practices in creating continuing education content for health professionals. I'm Alex Housen, and I'm on a mission to share expert insights and field perspectives on topics like adult learning, content creation techniques, effective formats, and trends in healthcare that influence the type of continuing education content that we create. Write Medicine is the premier podcast for CME CPD professionals like you wherever you are in the content creation process. Join us. That voice will not go away until you address it. The, the voice of you're supposed to be doing this other thing or that nudge or that call or that pull, it won't go away until you address it. Have you ever felt trapped in your career, sensing a need for change, but unsure where to begin? Have you felt that nudge to make a change, but fear holds you back? Yep, I've been there. Making a major shift in your work can be daunting, but ignoring calls for change won't make them go away. In a world where career transitions are increasingly common, but daunting, If you're feeling the pull towards change but are held back by uncertainty and fear, or if you're aware of an imminent push, this episode, episode 92, is for you. My guest is Regina C. Meunier, PharmD, an intuitive business strategist and life coach who's worked in healthcare, medical affairs, and in independent medical education in high-profile pharmaceutical companies. And way back in 2020, Regina was on the podcast and talked about how to create education content that supports authentic empowerment and transformational learning. Today, she's offering guidance and inspiration for anyone in CME and CPD considering or facing a career change. She shares her transformative journey from feeling stifled in the pharmaceutical industry to discovering her true calling. So get ready to learn how to recognize the signs of transition that are pointing you toward a needed change. And get ready for practical tools that Regina shares for making decisions and navigating career transitions, including her five-step framework that will help you map your fears and flip limiting narratives that are holding you back from unlocking your potential. The theme of 2024's annual conference of the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. Join us. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation because I think, you know, as you and I have talked numerous times, there are lots of people making transitions out of one professional context into another And it's, you know, it's a life event. Yes. And, you know, we shouldn't take that lightly, but it's often, you know, I think one of the things we've, we've talked about, it's often difficult to first see the signs that we should be thinking about making a transition and second to, to interpret the signs. (laughs) Oh, yes. And what they're, and what they're telling us. So. What were some of the signs for you that signaled it was time to move out of your career in pharmacy and in continuing medical education? Well, there were a couple signs, actually. And when I look back on my journey and knowing what I know today that I didn't know back then, 
that's really, I think would be helpful probably for your listeners is this ability to really sense and listen to how your body is feeling and take note of it. One thing that I didn't realize when I was, you know, in the middle of my career in the biotech pharmaceutical industry was I started to feel a little bit stifled and claustrophobic in the work that I was doing. That was one of the early signs. And I had no idea. I just thought, you know what? I trained for this position. I, I trained to be a clinical pharmacist. And then now, you know, at the time, a corporate leader in the pharmaceutical industry. And I was doing the day-to-day work. And, you know, some of the things I really loved and some of the things I didn't. And I just thought, that's normal. That's, that's part of the role. That's part of any job or career. But I, I started to notice that that sense of feeling locked in and claustrophobic and not being able to create or try different things, because, you know, it's, it's a very heavy in compliance, correct? And I, I just thought, well, this is just par for the course. But I think it's really important to be able to sense at least in my own personal experience and what I've, I've seen with the clients that I've worked with is the ability to acknowledge some of these feelings that, and how your body's feeling that you could be experiencing. The other thing for me, this, the sign or the signal was that I kept hearing this internal voice in my head and like a thought that just kept saying, you're supposed to be doing something else. And I'm just like, what the heck am I supposed to be doing? I've, I've trained so long for this career. I'm in it for the rest of my life. That's what my head kept saying. And every so often, this voice would be like, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. You need to go figure something else out. You're supposed to be doing something else. You're meant for something greater. And not that the career I was in wasn't great. It was amazing and provided me so many opportunities and gifts and rewards and uh, fulfillment at the time. But that voice just kept coming back. And so I would say those were two signs. And the third would be when I did get laid off in the pandemic, the sign definitely was don't go and apply back into a full-time role. Because when I was ready to update my resume and I reached out to my network and they were, you know, everyone was so kind and and said, send me your resume. I'll, I'll, I'll help you get back into your next thing. And that feeling was chest tightness and my stomach was turning. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that my body was telling me this is not the right way to go. So I just, you know, kindly thanked everyone and said, hey, I'm going to take the weekend and think about it. And I took the weekend and that feeling got stronger. And it was like, no, this isn't the way to go. So I didn't apply back in. So, so many good things to dig into there. One is, you know, you, you've mentioned training for a long time in the first place. And of course, a lot of that training is, is very focused on clinical data and on science and on the rational mind. Yes. But what you're talking about isn't necessarily easily captured by the rational mind because we are talking about an awareness of what our bodies are telling us. We're talking about an awareness of that inner voice, as you put it. So can you share a little bit about, uh, let me phrase this in a slightly different way, in order to hear that inner voice, Mm -hmm. in order to 
be aware of the signals that our bodies might be sending us. We have Mm -hmm. to have, I think, engaged in some type of practice that opens Mm -hmm. us up to that kind of information. What kind of practices or what kind of tools were already part of your life that allowed you to be open and receptive to the information that you that you were getting from your your core self, your inner self? So let me start first with just saying that everybody has the skill and capability of tuning into that inner voice, that inner wisdom. Everyone has it. It's just that we've been conditioned by society, by what was taught to us in school, by what our parents taught us to really focus on data, logical thinking, and what's tangible and practical. And so oftentimes we just don't have the, the skill set or know how or awareness that this is a real thing. Everyone's born with it. We have access to it. It's just that we're conditioned to leverage data and don't be so dramatic or so emotional, but really it is the ability to tune into our feelings and emotions that connects you to the communication tool or what I like to call your telephone, which is your Mm -hmm. intuition or your inner authentic voice to the best version of you, your higher self. And so if I could just share a quick example, like Have you ever, you know, instinctually maybe parked your car somewhere and set and you had this feeling like I shouldn't park here or I probably shouldn't walk down this street because it feels a little bit unsafe. It's this natural gut instinct. You don't know where it came from. You just, it's not like someone told you or there's a sign that says don't park here, right? It's not something concrete, but you sense it and it's there and it's real. But like you said, it's, you know, it's something that maybe not everyone is aware of. But if folks can just think of those kinds of examples, it helps you to connect to something like, oh, yeah, I've, I've experienced something like that. And then be able to start honing in on that kind of feeling or sense. That's like the first step is, Mm. you know, let's tie it to something that most everyone probably has some sort of experience where they had a gut instinct about something. And when they took aligned action to that gut instinct and then later on discovered, see, I was right. Like, I'm so glad I made that decision. The worst is when you have a gut instinct and you ignore it because your rational, logical mind says, but it's not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to do it this way. This is how I've set it up. These are the expectations. And so you ignore it and you've Mm -hmm. committed all this time and energy into doing whatever path you've gone down. And then you realize that, uh, that wasn't probably the best way looking back, right? You realize. So, so first it's just being aware of those kinds of decisions that happen in day to day life. And the tool I would say, going back to your question is the very thing that we often don't do. Everybody's super busy. Mm-hmm. We're running around like crazy, getting our checklist done, especially around the holidays or whatever season you're in. We're always busy. And I would say that the American culture is very much, you know, get 10, 20 things done on your checklist in a day. And so getting very still. So some people may do meditation. Some, I mean, I didn't come from the world of doing meditation. I tried it a couple times. I fell asleep in a couple meditation classes that I tried and I just couldn't get into it. 
And I finally worked with a life coach and she's like, Regina, meditation is just doing some deep breathing. Like she just made it simple for me. Close your eyes and do some deep breathing. So I would say if you could, if you're driving into work and you could just park your car and before you go into, you know, now people are having to go in at least like maybe three days a week. I used to do this. I would sit in the car before I walked into the building and just take a few minutes of just deep breathing and just quiet the mind. Don't think about anything. Just focus on the breath. That gets you into a habit of slowing down a little bit throughout your day so that you can hear the messages. Did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a breathing coach, I'm, I'm yeah. very tuned into the power of slow, slow breath. A couple of things that you said there that I'd like to circle back to. So one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, if you're working in a professional setting, you trained as a pharmacist. For listeners who are physicians, pharmacists, academics, researchers, vets working in other types of professional settings, if they're hearing that voice, if they are aware of something that is telling them they need to be doing something else, a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt can creep in precisely because, as you noted, you've invested, you know, professional training. It, is long and it's expensive and it shapes our identities. So we, you know, have incredible attachment and investment into being, you know, a pharmacist, a nurse, a doctor, whatever. What happens then or what guidance do you have for people who are hearing that voice? They are sensitized to it but they are locked into fear. Yeah, that's such a great question. Fear really keeps us stuck where we're at because it comes from our ego narrative, right? It's the voice inside your head that really wants to keep you safe and protect you and not take risk. And this fear voice, it could say, don't do that. Don't listen to that voice. We're not going to change our careers because we invested so much. We have a nice paycheck. It's consistent. It's reliable. Uh, if you go do this other thing, it's uncertain. We don't know how it's going to unfold. So it's unsafe. So let's not go there, right? So that fear voice keeps us stuck with golden handcuffs, with self-doubt. I don't think we can do that. We can't figure it out. We didn't train for that. And that fear of a uh, lack of belief in self that you can do it. And the fear or, or the other thing is, I see this a lot is fear of judgment from others because it mm. may be something that's calling you that's completely different from, uh, what you did or trained for in the past and your title and your whole identity is tied to what you're currently doing. So I get the whole fear thing. So a couple of things to think about is that voice will not go away until you address it. The, the voice of you're supposed to be doing this other thing or that nudge or that call or that pull, it won't go away until you address it. That's the first thing. So it'll keep popping back into your mind every once in a while when you get kind of quiet and still. 
The other thing with, with the fear is that the, the ego narrative always wants to seek safety and security for, for you and it because it doesn't have it. It doesn't come from a place that feels safe, right? And, and Alex, you, you, you know, we've talked about this. And so it's always striving to do things to create safety, to feel loved, to feel appreciated and valued. So it will drive you to make decisions to receive that because it doesn't currently have it. And so what I recommend is to listen to that voice that says you're meant to do something else or this call or pull because that's the voice that comes from your authentic self or your higher self, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it big you uh, versus little you, which is your more your ego narrative. But your, your higher self or your best version of you, some people like to call it, you know, the best version of me, or I like to call it your authentic self. That is a side of you that knows no fear because it already lives in a safe, secure, loved place. So it's not striving to get that. And so when you get the fear, my suggestion is write everything down, write down everything that you're feeling that you're afraid of. Write down, I'm, I'm afraid to lose the golden handcuffs. I'm afraid that my community is going to judge me, that I'm weird now or not. I'm going into something that's not a respectable profession or it's viewed as less than. Write all of that down and get it on paper because it offloads you if you can do that. And then you can start writing the opposite of what that fear is telling you. And that can help you to choose different thoughts aligned to your best version of you, your authentic self. Did that answer your question? Oh, yeah. No, I love that. So you're you're proposing an actual kind of exercise, as it were, yes. to start from where that fear is and what that fear comes from so that you can actually map it to an action, to a step that you could potentially take to turn that fear into something more positive and and dynamic. I I think, and I want to come back to that, it's interesting that you talk about, you know, that inner safety, that inner safe place. Uh, Pima Chodron, the Buddhist nun, has in one of her books, and I'm going to butcher this, but she says the universe keeps sending you the lessons you need to learn until yes. you've learned them. And yes. so it seems to me that there's an alignment there with with that idea that if you don't address the things in front of you, you're going to have to keep battling with that fear with, yes. you, know, you know, without really a sort of positive, a positive outcome. So can we talk a little bit more then about those, those practical tools that people can apply in order to move from fear to safety? Yes. I actually have an example for you that personally happened to me. So one of the biggest fears that I had was losing the golden handcuffs, right? The great benefits that a salary provided me, full-time employment, the health plan, all the bonuses, the long-term incentives, right? It's, it's amazing to have. And when I kept hearing this voice, you're supposed to do something else. I kept thinking, 
I can't let go of the handcuffs and I don't want to hustle. I don't want to hustle for a secure salary. And I did this exercise, as I described to you, is writing down this, these fears. And, and I do the same. One of the tools is called flip the narrative. So you write down all the fears in the left column and then you ask your inner authentic voice, which connects you to your authentic self. You know, what can I do with this? Right. What let's flip the narrative. And the voice came back. And what I heard was, what makes you think you can't do better than what you're earning in corporate? What makes you think you can't do better? And when I heard that, I was like, I never thought about it that way. I, <laughs> I never imagined that to be possible. And it really opened up a new way of thinking. And when I, when I heard that and I thought that idea, it felt really good. And when it feels really good, you know you're going in the right direction because that is a sign from your body intelligence speaking to you. So one of the tools is flip the narrative. The second tool I would recommend, I teach this to my clients and they use this a lot actually, you could do it on the fly, is that when you get one of those fear thoughts creeping in throughout your day, which it will always creep in, it's just a matter of identifying it and say, oh, I see you there, I hear you, ego narrative. I call my ego narrative Egon and I'm like, oh, hey, Egon, I see you there. <laughs> and I always tell it to go sit in its self-soothing rocking chair in the corner. And I say, no, thank you. I appreciate what you're trying to do and create safety for us, but, but no, thank you. And then you pick a different thought. You, you can choose your thoughts and that can help you feel better. No, that's really, that's really helpful. I'm struck by some of the things that you're talking about in, as things that a lot of women in particular, or people who identify as women, might recognize because gendered socialization is very much still packaged in terms of, or the outcomes are self-limiting thoughts. The idea that we, we don't necessarily, we aren't necessarily equipped to work outside of whether it's corporate structures or some other type of bureaucratic structure like uh, I was going to say like healthcare but of course healthcare in the US is is corporatized are the things that you're talking about things that are particularly associated with gender or do you see that fear that uncertainty those self-limiting thoughts you know, across the board in terms of men, women, transgender people, however you identify? Is it a universal thing we're talking about here? Is your question, is it universal fear? Like, or do I see it more prominent in certain yeah. genders? Yes, the latter. Thanks for restating the question in a better way. Yeah, no, no. It's a great question. I think it depends on the person. I don't think it's gender specific. I've seen my clients, men and women, actually all have fear. And it's just a matter of being able to identify and how you manage it. I, I The data does support, though, that women are more inclined to hone in on their intuitive voice, their inner authentic voice, than men are. So the data does support that. 
more I've seen some reports, you know, women may be more in tune to how they feel. I mean, it's the very thing that they tell us, you know, in the corporate world, don't get so emotional. You're going to be seen as too dramatic, right? But the key is honing in to that emotion because body intelligence, the currency is based on feelings and emotions. This episode of Right Medicine is brought to you by Right CME Pro, a professional development membership that provides skills and scaffolding for medical writers who want to create CME content with confidence. Right CME Pro gives you access to expert perspectives to help you build your CME writing skills, a portfolio accelerator to hold space so that you can create stunning samples to show your prospects group coaching to help you build foundational and expert knowledge in CME, and much, much more. Write CME Pro is a professional development membership for people like you who are ready to launch and grow a specialized CME medical writing niche. See the link in the show notes for more information about how to enroll. So, we're kind of, we've kind of been talking about being in a situation and beginning to get a sense of some type of intuition that is telling you maybe you should be thinking about something else. But of course, for a lot of people, they're pushed out of the professional setting that they're currently in. We're seeing that quite a bit at the moment in the CME CPD world and also pharma in terms of, you know, layoffs, reorganizations, you know, churn and burn. There's a lot of fluidity and flux in these different fields. What about people who are, you know, do you do the tools that you are kind of describing apply to people in those situations who have been sort of pushed out of something? Perhaps they thought like you, they were going to be, a, a, you know, have that golden, what did you call them? Golden handcuffs? The golden handcuffs. Golden handcuffs. Oh yeah, I want to come back to that expression because usually I hear that in terms of the golden, the golden handshake at the end of a professional career. But the golden handcuffs actually signify something that traps you. So let's come back yes. to that. Yeah. But my first question first: Are you seeing this? You know, or how do your recommendations apply to people who are kind of being pushed out? Okay, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I'm. I'm going to write an article about this because I know there's a lot, you know, the way the times are, people are getting laid off, companies are being impacted with the economy and everything. So I want to just share with listeners that it is such a gift. Please see it as a gift when you get laid off. And the reason I say this, and most likely the companies are offering a severance package, most likely. And gosh, what a gift is it to be able to explore, take time to explore, to get still, because you're not having to run into the office anymore and, you know, do your day to day and show up to meetings. You have time for yourself and it's such a gift. And to answer your question, my, my tools and, and what I teach and coach all apply. It doesn't matter where, you know, how, how it was initiated, right? Whether you did it at your own free will or, you know, it was an external factor. 
that triggered a cascade of events such as a layoff uh, of sorts. But the key is the willingness for the person to want to explore this this calling or this voice that's telling them they're meant to do something else. Because if if there isn't that willingness, then of course, these tools and and trainings and coachings and things will not necessarily apply for you because you're you're not vested or interested Mm. in that space. But I will say that it is such a gift if you can, first of all, we live in a in in this I call this earthly world and this, you know, human experience that we have to be accountable and responsible for our families and cost of living and, and mortgages, whatnot, right? So I, I get that. I, I'm not saying that we ignore that. So the key is get into your finances and look at your overhead, look at your budget and really outline things and pace yourself so that you can leverage the time because the one thing, you know, we can't really buy back is, is, is time. But if you have a gift of a, of a severance package, for example, I would really take advantage of that. I see people go into panic mode and they're like, Oh my gosh, we got to pay the mortgage and we, we have all these expenses. I'm, I'm just going to hurry up and update my, my uh, resume because I want to make sure I get back into my network and leverage my network. Because I, if I take time, time off, people are going to forget about me. I'm not going to be able to leverage my network. And so we got to like do this now or yesterday. Oh my gosh, why didn't I update my resume? Why didn't I get those like recommendations on LinkedIn along the way? Now I have to hurry up and do this, right? That's ego. I'm exhausted, Regina, just listening to that. You can hear it, right? This is what I hear from my clients. It's that chatter. Mm -hmm. That's ego narrative, driving your decisions. And I recommend to change channels. Go, that's, that's AM radio station. Go to FM radio station. FM radio station is the inner wisdom. You got to slow down to tune into it and hear what it's telling you. So I, yeah, and I appreciate that granularity and, and also your recommendation to really dig into, you know, the financial stuff and the practical stuff, because what you are suggesting are, are very practical tools, but we need to kind of pay attention to the signals and, and also shift mindset a little bit to, in order to be able to see an experience like being laid off as an opportunity to pause and be still. And the, the Stoics, by the way, have like Seneca have, you know, one of the things they talk about is, you know, time is one of the things that we give away too freely. We don't have a proper accounting of our own time and how precious it is. And so to be able to use that time as a way to to do that sort of inner work in a very practical way, as you suggest, is is absolutely precious. And I also appreciate, you know, the focus on, yeah, people do have to pay their mortgages and their bills, but we forget that we're spiritual beings in physical bodies. That's and again, right. this is an opportunity to take a moment, to take a breath, to take to take a pause, and I've heard that for some, from some people lately who've who've undergone that experience, and they are kind of just trying to look at this as okay, what what comes what comes next? Yeah, one of I, the things. Sorry, go ahead. Just really quickly, when I got laid off in May 2020 in the pandemic, I mean, I 
I couldn't get myself to apply back in even if I wanted to because my head was just like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? You know, my husband's business, he's an entrepreneur, completely shut down in the pandemic. I'm laid off and I'm telling my husband, I'm not going to apply back in. And his eyes got really big. I had to tell my father, who was like traditional Asian father who thinks of security and, you know, wants to keep me safe and, you know, go back to what you know, you're a clinical pharmacist, right? And, and here I am saying to both of them, I'm not going back right now. And I took, I gave myself the summer to take a self-appointed sabbatical and it's the best thing I've ever done. And I was working with a life coach at the time and that was another best thing that I've done because you take the time to invest in exploring this thing that's calling you so that you can identify specifically what it is without the, you're supposed to do something else. And then you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? You need to take the time to discover and uncover. It's a lot of uncovering because the Mm. answer is already inside of you. It's all about uncovering. And one of the things that you, so we, you know, you've talked about some practical tools, writing things down, slow breaths. I know you're a journaler. Yes. You also have a tool, five steps to making successful career and life decisions. Can you talk a little bit about how this approach helps you to make decisions about your professional journey? Okay, so there's there's two things there that that I have. I have a five-step approach about career and life decisions. It's a framework that I teach, but then I also have steps to leverage how to make decisions using body intelligence. So it's all part of each other. But let me answer the first part, the five steps. The first thing that I do when I work with folks is number one, you need to get really clear on the decision that you need to make. That's pretty straightforward. But it's so easy to get caught up with these bigger things that you're trying to figure out and it and it becomes really not as clear. So if you can hone in and articulate specifically, what is the decision I need to make? Is it finding the next career? Is it exploring the opportunity of what lights me up while I identify a job that I can get to pay the bills while I explore? Is it, well, I can actually go into early retirement. Do I want to go into that? And what would that look like? So number one, get very clear on the decision that you need to make. The second is identifying the key players in your universe. So it's really important to be able to identify and learn what your inner authentic voice sounds like and what your ego narrative sounds like. And then the the third is being able to address these fears and put into practice the tools so that you can keep moving forward and not let fear and limiting beliefs keep you stuck. So, you know, that saying, don't always believe what you think, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of fear comes in and you think it's fact and it's actually not fact, but fiction. And so being able to learn the practical tools to address the fear and remove these barriers is really important in the third step. And when you can do that, then the fourth step is really being able to then apply the practical tools 
that helps you amplify your inner authentic voice, right? So get clear on your decision, know who the key players are, understand the different narratives that you're listening to, remove the barriers, fear-based self-limiting beliefs, or manage them. It's more like managing them because they always come back. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth, again, is being able to amplify your inauthentic voice. And then the fifth is taking inspired, aligned action. It's being able to hear the voice, trust it, and then take aligned action. So that's the fifth step. So that's, in a nutshell, the framework that I work around and I teach around. But the, the other thing is there's there's steps also to using body intelligence. And if people want more information about that, if I have a cheat sheet, I made a cheat sheet for it because so many of my clients use it. And I've had people who've left, I had a client who left Meta because she heard the calling and she was, she could no longer suppress that inner authentic voice that she quit her job at Meta. And she's now exploring her her next thing. And she was trying to make a decision with a partner that she was uh, working with to build out her next thing. And she kept hearing this voice, but what the partner was telling her wasn't aligning to what she was sensing. So she used this tool. It's a body, it's making career, career, professional and personal decisions using body intelligence so that you can make successful decisions. So you could go to o-universe.com forward slash resources. And in there, you can see uh, some free resources. You can just go there and download this PDF. It's one page and it will show you the steps on getting clear on your decision and how you know if it's a yes answer or a no answer based on how you feel. But in a nutshell, it's pretty much if it feels light and freeing, that's a yes answer. If it feels the opposite of freeing, that's a no answer. Don't go that way. So just for the sake of, I know for time, I just, I think it's easier to look at this cheat sheet. In any case, my client used this body intelligence cheat sheet and she came back and was just like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for this because what I was sensing was not what my, you know, partner was telling me. And we were, I was able to use a body intelligence cheat sheet. And I was able to work out this next step in decision with this partner that I'm supposed to be working with. And it actually helped her identify things that she wasn't aware of. And they eventually decided to go their separate ways. It definitely speaks to the power of having a framework to help, you know, shape and contain your ideas and, and that, that body intelligence. So I'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes to that so that you, dear listener, can grab that for yourself and follow up with Regina. If you have additional questions, I'll make sure that her contact information is in the, is in the show notes as well. And, and just to kind of wrap up, Regina, for someone who's considering a major career change, but doesn't know where to start, what would be the first step? Oh gosh. Yeah. The first step I would say is I would recommend for you to learn and identify how you're making decisions because again, it's not ideal if you're making decisions aligned to fear base or your ego narrative or egon. Ideally, what you want to do, the first step is to be aware of tuning into that 
inner authentic voice. Now, some people may not realize how they really make decisions or they have, they have a sense, right? I, I, I know some of my clients are completely analytical and logical and they're not tuned in at all to that gut instinct. They have no sense of it and they don't believe in it necessarily. And it feels really awkward for them. Mm -hmm. I also have people who are analytical, logical decision makers, but also sense their gut instincts. They just like the data and then they use both. I have folks who are more of a hidden intuitive. They don't, they, they sense things, but they don't know what it's called. Mm. They don't know there's a framework around it. They don't know that it's something tangible. And so they, they sense it, they use it, but they can't put words to it or articulate it. So they're more hidden. And then there's the folks who are more on the spectrum of they embrace their intuitive voice, but there's a sense of logical reasoning or society, family, parent, parental expectations that override that intuitive voice. And so they kind of struggle between the two. So I would say the first step is to really understand how you make these decisions so that you can make decisions aligned to what is authentically you so that you can be successful not only on paper, but that you feel fulfilled and successful on the inside and feel good. So if folks are interested in this, learning how they make decisions, I do have a quiz that I created based on experience, based on data around intuitive decision making. This quiz, it's, it's, I think it's 10, nine questions or so with three demographic questions. It should take you about three minutes mm -hmm. and it will help you better understand how you make decisions. And I describe the results of each type of decision, uh, decision makers and also your blind spots. So this is the key. Each type of decision maker has certain blind spots that go with it, right? It's like your strength, but also there's blind spots that go along. And I walk you through how to be aware of those blind spots and, and what you can do around it and some practical tools. So that's part of the results after you take the quiz. And I can give you the link to that too. I will definitely make sure that the link to that is in the show notes. And I really appreciate that you actually broke down that question of how you make decisions, because I think that I know we didn't really sort of dig into this earlier, but I think that is a kind of major obstacle for a lot of people. I know for a long part of my life, it certainly was. And I have not taken your quiz. I am going to take your quiz and maybe uh, I will share the results of my quiz taking on another episode of the podcast. Regina Simonier, intuitive coach. And what else? How else would you describe yourself? Well, I'm an intuitive business strategist and life coach. And I, I basically help professionals navigate career, professional and personal decisions so that not only are you successful on paper, but you actually feel aligned and good on the inside. And really being able to answer that call, how do you do it? What are the steps to answer that call? I help people navigate that and empower them to do that, to find the answers within them. So I teach you how to find your answers because you have them within you. Regina Simonier, 
intuitive business coach and navigator. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and insights with listeners of Right Medicine. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be here. And I so love, love what you do and what you you represent for the community. I think it's very much needed. I, I'm just, it's truly an honor to be here with you talking about the very thing that I love. I loved every minute of our conversation. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Health literacy is a topic you might have heard about, and it's certainly one that has informed projects I've worked on in CME and CPD. For those of you who want to learn more, I'm recommending the Health Literacy Out Loud podcast, hosted by Helen Osborne. Helen's podcasts are interviews with those in the know about some aspect of health communication, patient education, or health literacy. Guests share real-world experiences and suggestions about ways to communicate clearly about health. To listen and learn more, go to www.healthliteracyoutloud.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the link is in the show notes. Regina's story mirrors what happens to many of us in CME, which can be a really fluid field with high staff turnover, especially in recent years as private equity increasingly moves into this space. But as Regina shared, there is transformative power in heeding your inner voice and harnessing your body intelligence for life and career transitions. Investing in your authentic self and embracing a structured approach to decision-making can lead you to greater fulfillment and success in both your professional and your personal life. Here are my takeaways and steps you can take to embrace authenticity in career and in life. So number one, embrace the pause and practice reflection. Taking time to be still and reflect can provide clarity and insight and help you recognize when and why you need a change in your professional life. Regina's experience of taking a self-appointed sabbatical post-layoff underscores the need to resist the urge to rush back into work. Instead, it can be valuable to pause, reflect, and explore your true calling with the guidance of supportive frameworks or a coach. Number two, your body intelligence is a decision-making resource. Body intelligence can help you make better decisions and manage the anxiety associated with career change. Incorporating simple, mindful, meditative or breathing practices can lead to greater clarity and help you align with your authentic self. And number three, Regina detailed a five-step approach for making successful life and career decisions. Getting clarity, identifying key players, addressing fears, amplifying your authentic voice and taking aligned action. There are links in the show notes to tools for this structured approach to help you navigate career transitions mindfully. And if you're curious about uncovering your blind spots and strengths around integrating intuition and logic to your decision-making process, then I encourage you to take Regina's decision-making style quiz. The link's in the show notes. Next up, tune in to Monday Mentor, when I'll be talking about ways to embrace failure in CME and medical writing in CME. And on January the 31st, 
Caroline Pardo and Sarah Nisley from Clinical Education Alliance join me to talk about future directions in CME and CPD. They'll be presenting a full analysis of their work at the 2024 Alliance Annual Meeting, which takes place in New Orleans on February the 5th to the 8th. I'm presenting at the meeting, so if you're going, come and find me and let's find time to chat. And in the meantime, hop on over to my blog on my website for more resources on CME and don't miss out on Right Medicine episodes. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. There's a link in the show notes. Connect with me on LinkedIn and sign up for Right Medicine Insider for CME and podcast updates. Stay curious and keep learning.